Hello, everyone, and welcome into this episode of the Irish NFL Show with me, Colm Cronin, and joined by a good friend of the show at this point. He's been on a number of times. Mike Herndon, how are you doing, sir? Doing great, doing great. Yeah, it's uh, it's good to be talking uh, football again with you. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, look, it, it's never dull in the NFL, and um, we're obviously going to go get into the new HC hire. Before that, like, let's let's go back, I suppose, in terms of the, the Vrabel, um, you know, um, firing, I guess, ultim- ultimately. Yeah. Um, did it come as a as a big surprise uh, to you firstly? Um, I I don't know that it was like a shock necessarily because it, I think people had begun to discuss that possibility around here just simply because the losing. I mean, the losing it had started to pile up. You had the seven game losing streak to end twenty twenty two, and then the the team obviously went uh six and eleven this year so you add that up and that's six wins in your last 24 football games and and that kind of sustained losing is tough for any coach to endure no matter you know what kind of skins they have on the wall from from previous seasons and and i did think that Vrabel would ultimately get another year to to kind of right the ship because frankly i i felt like when the titans fired John Robinson uh, during the 2022 season, uh, that that was an admission that they understood that the roster was the main problem with this team and that, you know, Vrabel, if given a strong enough roster like he was in 2019 and 2020 and 2021, could produce very good results on the field, even even with a quarterback, uh, you know, like Ryan Tannehill, who nobody's going to confuse with Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen or, any of these uh, superstar level guys. So I ultimately thought he would get another year um, and uh, was a little surprised that he didn't, but not completely shocked just because of the way that the last two seasons had kind of gone. Uh, I, have, I have to, I suppose, ask, I mean, in the wake of the firing, um, there was the story that came out from Dana Rossini and Joe Rexrode in the um, Athletic that, at least from the outside would give some some concerns. I mean, some of the lines in that around um, the, the way in which um, the his relationship with ownership and the fact that, you know, despite the win and going for the, the two points, um, some people weren't happy with that. Um, look, lots of things are said in the wake of, of hirings and firings. We'll get, get into that. But does that, should that give you know, Titans fans, any kind of pause for concern? To me, it does, because I, I, I do think from that piece, it sounds like a lot of the ultimate uh, the ultimate cause of Rabel's firing was not even as much the losing as it was personal issues between himself and Rand Carthon, between himself and Amy Adam Strunk. Um and I, I, I'm torn on the whole thing because it, part of it, it does sound like Vrabel last offseason when John Robinson was fired wanted more control of the roster, and I get why he would want that. He he came up under you know Bill Belichick as a player who obviously had roster control in New England. Uh, he coached under Bill O'Brien who ended up getting roster roster control in Houston. You know Urban Meyer in college who was you know. A, 
dictator at the college level. Um, so that's what that's the setup that he's used to um, and that he kind of feels as normal. And also he's a guy that just went through a situation where John Robinson traded his best player uh, in the draft the previous year with A.J. Brown. And clearly, like, you don't have to be a body language expert to, to see that Brable was not happy about that trade when it was announced. You know, we all have seen the video of him in the war room uh, getting up and walking away from the table and clearly in distress uh, over that trade. I think he wanted to make sure that he was not going to be put in that position again where he was, you know, having a player that he valued to a very high degree just pulled out from under him uh, over, you know, some you know financial uh you know disagreements or or contract negotiation uh tactics so uh, you know to me i understand brable's motivation i also understand amy Strunk not wanting to give Rabel full power because that setup has not worked that well i mean even you look at bill belichick i think that was part of his downfall in new england was having full roster control and not having a gm who could balance him out and and help him uh, you know, find the right groceries, um, you know, to, to be able to build that roster in New England with. So I, I just think I understand it from both sides, but it does sound like ultimately there were some petty grudges held over Brable being in New England for the Hall of Fame ceremony and what he said there. And then that wasn't necessarily discussed, but it was something that was harbored uh, within ownership with the Titans. It, it's disappointing that a lot of that stuff got in the way of what should have been a very good working relationship between Brable and, and Amy Adam strong and all the powers that be in Nashville. Um, Cause I, I still think Brable's a very good football coach. Um, does he have his faults? Yes, absolutely. He does. Um, I think he's, you know, a little conservative at time. I think he's a little stubborn at times. I think maybe he does have a, a little bit of an ego uh, with him, but, you know, at the end of the day, he got results out of a team that really wasn't like, I mean, we're not talking about like an all-star roster uh, for the Titans in 2021 when they were the one seed and, you know, a, a Ryan Tannehill interception away from potentially going to the Super Bowl that year. Um, so I, I just think um, he's a good coach with some flaws and it's disappointing that some of the off the field stuff got in the way of of what had been a good relationship here in Tennessee. Yeah, um, no, I, I would concur. I would say uh, most uh, head coaches and most successful head coaches uh, tend um, tend to be egotists, uh, tend yep. to like power, um, yep. and tend maybe not to be the most uh, well uh, well adjusted individuals. But uh, you know, be be that as it may, it is the dawn of a new era for the the Titans. the The initial kind of thoughts and response to the Callahan appointment. I would say it's overwhelmingly positive in Tennessee. Um, part of that is Callahan is, uh, you know, the tendency is always to hire the opposite of what you just had, right? So Vrabel was a defensive head coach, you know, very, you know, maybe a little bit resistant to analytics. Uh, although, you know, as you mentioned, the two-point call against the Dolphins, I thought was the right call. I think analytics generally consider that to be the right call. I'm a little alarmed that someone in the Titans building was upset by that. Um, but regardless, setting that aside, I, I think Callahan is a little bit more analytically inclined. He's obviously an offensive guy. Um, he comes from a team who has thrown the ball, 
on early downs in neutral situations more than any other team in the NFL over the last two years. The Titans are in the bottom three in the league in that category. Uh, so I, I think Titans fans have long wanted. I mean, this is still we're still talking about a franchise that since they moved to Nashville, which has been you know 25 years ago now, uh, over 25 years ago. They have not had a single 4,000-yard passer um, come through. They, they, Ryan Tannehill, in his season in 2021, uh, is the single season in a Titans uniform. Now, Warren Moon, obviously, in the Oilers, you know, in Houston, uh, had huge numbers. But in a Titans uniform, Ryan Tannehill's 2021 season is the best, best passing season that we've seen in Nashville. And I think he threw for, like, 3,800 yards that year. Um, it. This franchise, this fan base is starving for an aggressive passing offense. They they are starving for uh, a modern NFL offense here. And I think the hope is that Callahan can bring that. And based on his track record, you know, certainly he would project to have that kind of setup. And I think that's a big part of why he was very clearly the primary target for the Titans from the jump. Like I, I think he is the guy that was circled at the top of their list. And and as they went through the interview process, it only reconfirmed their, you know, initial biases. And, and he very quickly became the guy. I mean, that, that was, it was a pretty quick search considering, you know, they fired Vrabel, I think for, you know, two weeks ago today. Um, so it's uh, it, it was a, a pretty quick search, and I think they landed on the guy that they wanted all along. So, um, just as we're talking, uh, Rappaport has, has tweeted, and and maybe this, uh, but you'll have a better insight into this than than I would in the inner structure that the um, the restructure of the front office, Carthon is now executive VP GM, and Chad Brinker has been promoted to president of football operations. Was that expected? Is, will that have kind of any real impact, Mike? Yeah, so I I did um, understand that that was coming. Now, it I don't think it was necessarily expected. Now, th- this is a, a reorganization, and some of the talk, I guess, behind the scenes with the Titans over the last, you know, at least the last few months here is, is kind of Carthon and Vrabel's relationship has come under scrutiny and in, in some of that discussion has happened some of the talk in Nashville has been that Vrabel did not feel that Carthon was necessarily ready for all of the responsibilities that a general manager has um, which was part of I think why Vrabel wanted some of those responsibilities to himself um, I think this is the Titans giving taking some of that off of some of the stuff that is outside of building the roster uh, and and really managing the coaching staff off of Carthon's plate. So Carthon is going to be in charge. He's you know Brian Callahan is going to report to Carthon. So Carthon is going to be in control of this organization. Uh, Carthon is going to have full control of the roster, the draft, um, you know, free agency, player acquisition, all of that stuff. Brinker is going to handle salary cap. Um, you know, some of the other operations, things like the grounds. Um, you know analytics department is going to be Brinker's, which analytics was already kind of his baby anyway. So I think they're just splitting that off and making that to where that kind of doesn't have to be necessarily on Carthon's plate um, and, and give Carthon more room to focus on 
making sure the roster is as competitive as possible. And then, you know, making sure that the, the play on the field matches with the vision that, that they're trying to build here. Um, I suppose just to go back to um to to the head coach and you know what what he might do. Obviously, an awful lot of speculation around whether his dad is going to come and join him there. The Browns made a lot of moves in terms of moving on from some of their offensive coaches, but notably, uh, they they didn't move on from their O line coach. And look, that's not that's something when you get a good one, they tend to stick around. The yeah. Eagles. I mean, you know, is is possibly the, the prime example. I think Stoutland, is he on his third, fourth, perhaps even fifth head coach there? He, he's there more than a decade at this point. Uh, do, do you, like, are there any indications as yet or, or how quickly are it that likely to get resolved in terms of do, does he get to join his son uh, in Tennessee? I think we'll probably find that out pretty quickly. Um, and it'll be an interesting situation because you're right. Like when you get a, one of the great offensive line coaches and Callahan is one of the, you know, probably two or three best d- at doing it in the league over the last 20 years. Um, you hold on to those guys because they're extremely valuable. You listen to to guys like Mitchell Schwartz, um, you know, a, a guy like Brandon Thorne, who I really respect his opinions on offensive line play. And they will tell you how much coaching really can matter at that position group. And it's a it's a group that has to work together cohesively. Um, it's a group that that you can and we've seen it in Nashville too. Like you, you think back to the Mike Munchak years early in this this franchise's run in Nashville. Mike Munchak was a fantastic offensive line coach. Um, and he was regularly taking guys that were not premium draft picks and turning them into Pro Bowl type offensive linemen. The Titans always had a strong offensive line here uh, during those years, and and it was just never an issue. So when you get one of those guys, you hold on to them. I think the Browns, you know, it's a complicated question with it being a father son situation, and and obviously, you know. They have both talked about they want to coach together at some point. It has never happened. You know, Brian Callahan has never been on the same staff as his father in in his 15 years of coaching in the NFL now. Um, And, you know, the older Callahan is getting older, right? Like he's getting close to 70 years old. I think he's 67, if I recall correctly right now. Um, So he may not have too many years left. So I, I would imagine you know, his having his final years here be with his son in Nashville would be a pretty cool setup for them. Um, and obviously would give the Titans something that they desperately need, which is a, a top flight offensive line coach to rebuild one of the worst units, if not the worst unit in the entire NFL. So I think it's a huge deal if they can get Bill Callahan to come over. Now the Browns don't have to let him go. I don't believe unless there's some sort of clause in his contract about coaching with his son, which possible that they had the foresight to put that in there. Um, but we don't know any of that right now. So it'll be interesting to see that play out over the coming days, but that's certainly, I think the biggest question that the most Titans fans are kind of waiting to see answered even more so than like defensive coordinator and offensive coordinator uh, is, will they be able to bring Bill Callahan over and then if not will Mike Munchak possibly come back to to serve as offensive line coach because he's recently told uh paulkarski.com that uh he is open to returning to coaching now after a couple years of health related uh time away from the game 
and uh, would be open specifically to returning to Nashville, where obviously he has deep roots with this franchise as both a player and a coach. So um, the offensive line coach position will be of hot interest in Tennessee over the next uh, you know week or so as, as Callahan starts to build out his staff. Um, and I suppose then just kind of fi- finally, Mike, I'm conscious of your time. In terms of Will Levis and what the Titans feel they have, is the the feeling in the the building then that he has done enough to earn a second season as such and to really give it a go, have a a, a proper off season where he is the guy, and then see how it plays out next year, and they're they're going to decide from there. Absolutely, yeah. I think I think from what I understand, Levis was mostly a Carthon. Amy Adams drunk decision. I don't think Vrabel necessarily wanted uh, to trade up for a quarterback at, at that point of the draft. I think Vrabel was on board with CJ Stroud. If that had been uh, the the option, and we've talked about that, I think previously um, together, uh, but that obviously didn't end up panning out for them. The, the Texans took him before they had the opportunity to, to possibly move up for him. So, I think that that was very much a Carthon pick with Levis. And I I think Levis did show enough this year. And the numbers, the overall numbers aren't eye-popping or spectacular or anything. But you got to also consider that he was working with, again, the worst offensive line in the league, uh, a completely untenable left tackle situation. And, you know, a receiver room that, you know, the a 31-year-old DeAndre Hopkins was by far their best receiver uh, last year, you know, it wasn't like they surrounded him with a, the greatest opportunity to succeed right away. So I think he will get a chance uh, to be the guy this year. I think, you know, Callahan, you know, Amy Adams strong when she made her statement about firing Brable, the only player she mentioned in that statement was Will Levis. Um, and, and I think the focus upon getting Brian Callahan in the building is seeing what you could try to maximize what you can get out of Will Levis. Um, and, if he doesn't pan out, he doesn't pan out, you go and find another one. Uh, but I think they are going to go all in on trying to build something around Levis for 2024 and and kind of see where the chips fall from there. Yeah, it'll be certainly interesting to see. I mean, he he is a he's a fun player to, to watch. Yeah. We I I'm intrigued. I mean, he he appears to uh, kind of bring the attitude of both Josh Allen, Isaiah Pacheco, uh, to the way in which he puts his body on the line. So I am yeah. in- intrigued to see how that one plays out uh, ne- next year. Um, Mike, for, for people again on this side of the Atlantic who want to check out more of your stuff, where can they do that? Yeah, so all of my written work is at paulkoharski.com. Uh, you can also listen to our podcast, uh, Football and Other F-Words, uh, which uh, is available on any of your uh, favorite podcast streaming uh, apps of choice. Um, but that's that's where you can find me. And then um, Mike Herndon NFL on Twitter or X, whatever you prefer to refer to it at this point. Well, thank you as always for taking the time to, to chat to me and, uh, yeah, be an interesting uh, couple of weeks to see how uh, Callan fills out uh, that coaching staff, um, but certainly the it life is rarely dull in uh, in Tennessee with the Titans. So thanks again. Absolutely, yeah, we're never bored here. Thank you for listening, and if you're enjoying the show, please do vote with your fingers and rate, review, or subscribe on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. Every click, every like, every positive review, and every additional subscriber makes a huge difference. It helps others to find the show and we really do appreciate it. 
We'd also love to hear from you and to interact with NFL fans on our social channels, wherever you're listening in the world. So please do get in touch.